Welcome, BitPickers, to episode 10 of BitPicking, the software engineering podcast. I am Mark. I'm Greg. Happy New Year, Greg. Happy New Year, Mark. What have you been thinking about? I've spent my whole Christmas, Greg, a little bit of Christmas, not, not, uh, thinking about technology choices and how teams decide what it is they're going to use to build their products. Oh, interesting. Do you have some opinions on that? I'm sure I do. Let's find out. Let's go. So what's your opinion? So my, my thought is about the tension between using a technology that you know and you are comfortable with, uh, but maybe quite old, versus the latest and greatest and you see this all the time, yeah. right? Especially in the world of things like JavaScript. It's the post you know, new frameworks come out today. all the time, and the desire to get onto something completely new that may not, even from project to project, that you're suddenly using something different. Um, whereas there are also a lot of teams out there who are stuck on very old frameworks. I say yeah. stuck, so I'm sure a lot of teams uh, like it that way, that they're using technology that is old and tried and t uh, uh, and tested yeah um so my thought is around well who who gets to decide what are the dimensions of the the decision what do you have to think about when you're uh, when you're making those decisions um you know and, and how do you judge the success of those those things and, and does it really matter yeah do you think it matters it's hard to say it depends. <laughs> ding, ding. No, I think there's there's quite a lot in that, as usual, isn't there? I mean, the first thought that's coming to my head is, what's the motivation to change? I think that's quite interesting to talk about mm -hmm. because I guess in the, my, my perception of the JavaScript um, world in this respect is that culturally, change is a good thing. Yeah. So when a new thing comes along, people who are in that, sort of culture we're like right well let's now go and give this a try yeah and then every so often something takes off um although recently i think it's really sort of stuck around doesn't it with react native i think that seems to be the one that's that's one is that a fair thing to say i'm not in this world but i'm not really in that world either that's the one i hear most about yeah um but i think in other industries and like say net don't know anything about that but Java maybe, is it still a thing? I mean, why are people moving on like that? Is it just, you know, are we tiring everyone with the JavaScript brush? And, oh, and other um, people are sort of like, this isn't a problem for me, I'm quite happy where I am, I don't. No, uh, maybe, but I guess I'm not suggesting the, the topic as an, uh, this is what everyone's doing, uh, and is it right? It's more well, who gets to, who gets to decide what's what's right for any for any given team. Right. How do you make a decision about what's right for that team and and, and what's not right for that team? Uh, you know, I've been in team discussions where people have very different opinions about what what's good and, and what's bad. I certainly think that uh, I have a feeling, and here's where I probably will tar a lot of people with the same brush because I sort of have that feeling that young developers are much more likely to want to use uh, brand new stuff. New.js. New.js uh, than older developers who 
are happier. And you know, someone might argue that that's because the newer developers are uh, more open to change or more more able to change. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you whereas, could make that argument, couldn't you? Yeah, whereas an older developer would probably say, well, it's all down to experience and and I've been there and I've seen that actually it doesn't really matter what technology you use. It's how you use that's, it. Yeah, it's, it's how you use it. That you know That is the 1% of the outcome versus yeah. the the rest of it, which is just knowing what it is that you need to build. And, um, but at the same time, technology clearly does have an, have an effect. If someone asked me to go and build my my app in COBOL, uh, it's, it's probably not going to be a good, a good decision. Um, so that's interesting. Let's, let's stop on that because you said there, if somebody asked me to, hmm. which seems to be the same question you asked before, which is who gets to make that decision. So yeah. in, when you when you said that, who was the someone? Well, to be clear, I haven't been asked to build an app in, in, in COBOL, <laughs> at least not not in recent years. <laughs> but I mean, I, I guess. I mean, the answer that everyone wants to hear is that it's the developer's choice. So the the um, somewhat cliched, I might say, belief is that you should just present a problem. So some kind of product person just presents a problem and then the development team then does something to determine what is the best way to implement that, which I presume includes choosing a technology. Now, yeah. I say it's cliched because I don't think that sort of happens in reality, but that seems to be what everybody wants to happen do you think that's fair i i i, I think it's hippie crap <laughs> i mean i use the term cliche but we could just go straight in there but it is though isn't it i think it's, the reality yeah. the reality is that doesn't happen does it or, or i i don't think in, in reality doing uh making those decisions by committee i think is always uh, bollocks well, it's, it's just difficult right and it's and you're always going to get a range of opinions in so i think someone has to uh, has to, to to take a lead on it, you know. So there will be people who are technical leads or senior developers or architects or whatever you want to call them, and they will probably naturally be the people to make those decisions. Um, Do, could we agree that it's not the product or the project managers? Do you think? Oh, that, do yeah, you think that's yeah, yeah. I think like a I'm, given. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely bought into that. What if it's a post technical project manager? Post-technical being the polite way to say they, yeah. either they, they weren't good enough. I was, so they a project I was hesitating because I was thinking whether I've, you know, I fall into that category, right? <laughs> Therefore, how I'd feel about it. But it's, a, um, it's an interesting grey area because maybe you do. Like, um, you're not on the team in the, in the hippie sense, you know, where it's all cross-functional, yeah. yada, yada. But you've, you're there responsible for the thing that that team you know, has to deliver. So why shouldn't you or somebody in your sort of position get to no, choose? No, I don't think. I don't think unless you are a person who is going to have to live with the result or the uh, the impact of that, i.e., building something in that technology, then I don't think you should um, you should decide. That said, um, you know, I know there are uh, of instances where senior management, for example, have decided we are now this is our platform now so it's not it's not a, a technology decision in the sense of um you know we're, we're going to use new.js versus old.js or something like that but it is yeah. in the sense of this vendor has come in and said to us here is this new technology platform that you can use to build 
you can build your apps and without any you know, developers yeah. don't need to touch it. Your business users can build those kind yeah, yeah. of those kind of things. And suddenly you've got a development team who are stuck with um, uh, some handcuffs uh, from that perspective. So I guess that does happen. Um, I suppose uh, you know, I've. Uh, I guess the the point that I'm going to get to eventually is I think experience wins. Yeah, and I think experience uh, probably tells you that sticking with what you know, as long as it doesn't have any uh, uh, you know massive downsides to it, it's probably good enough. Lower lower risk and easier to work with than deciding to adopt a whole new framework or language for some perceived benefit. Mm. You know, which some blogger will tell you is, uh, you know, where you should be and what you should be doing. Uh, end, end of episode. End of episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I think it came up in one of the, one of the previous episodes about, um, I don't think it was this explicit, but there's got to be some kind of empowerment somewhere to someone who you say, you know, I, I am entrusting you in this decision and they need to make that decision. And if they're not good at making decisions, then they'll fail and maybe the business will fail. But that's yeah. how it works, isn't it? So I think that um, you're right. And the job is not to worry about what the technology is and that, but is to make sure you find someone and you put them in that position where they're not likely to fail. And that probably comes from experience. More than any other signal. Yes, yes. I don't know if that made sense, but I was sort of just trying to suggest that it was, it's all about the person, not, not what they do. Yeah. But at what point do you decide, actually, we need to move forward. Maybe we've used the same technology for the last 10 years. But I think someone with experience would know that, wouldn't they? They, they should be able to spot that. Unless their experience is all in the one thing, uh, right? And uh, well, so, <laughs> so uh, I we mean, must I, stick with this because I, I, this well, is what I know. So here's so here's, here's an interesting thing: is is um, I've seen that, uh, or, or I, I know of that, which is you know people using technologies because that's what they've always used, and, and mm. by that point you're so invested in the technology that you can't move away from it, even though it's possibly become fundamentally unfit for purpose. You've now got a great big uh, refactor and rewrite on your hands yeah, yeah. to actually try and extract that that kind of stuff. Um, well, and I've interviewed people who have said that they don't want to move outside of, you know, a somewhat narrow um, set of knowledge, bit for fear of losing it. And you know, basically, they've built up their experience in a particular thing yeah. and that's what they want to capitalize on so yeah. that's the job they're looking for they think they can gather a suitable income from that that makes them happy yeah so why should they move on yeah you know so i guess maybe yeah there's got to be a, a some kind of check and balance on that to say well it's great that you've you know you've pinned yourself to COBOL and that you know everything about it yeah but there are other influences like yes. you know being able to recruit other people who know about that technology or 
um, the vendor support if it's proprietary, yeah. you know, and, and that kind of stuff. And that's where I suppose I, I'm going to go a little bit out of character for this podcast because normally we, we ramble on and ask hypothetical questions and never actually come up with any um, any advice or, <laughs> or real answers to anything. I like fence sitting, but I kind of, <laughs> but I kind of think I kind of think that here I've I've, I've uh, you know I've, I've got opinions about about this stuff, which so is a bold new direction for 2019. It's, it's, yeah, happy new year. Uh, so I guess I guess the underlying principle is I don't think anybody should be swayed by blog posts uh, telling you how something is the greatest thing because I think there is far more um, uh, far more to be had from uh, a technology that you are familiar with uh, and that you you know and have worked with in terms of speed than you will ever get from any uh, new feature. Um, in some language yeah that's not to say you should never move on because there will always come a point where uh whatever you're working with is uh is no longer quite fit for purpose like you said maybe it's unsupported so maybe you know and, and we had that in um um uh, in the stuff that we did we used uh play framework which is a, a web framework for mm. uh, for java uh, and uh, I dare say it was quite a good choice in the first place, but eventually they play one became play two, and play two brought a load of other stuff with it, and it was in Scala and all that kind of stuff, and we didn't really want to go there. <laughs> Forgot about that. Um, you know, which meant that then we kind of been stuck with quite a lot of uh, legacy in a sense that we had the old version of playing. You know, so you got to a point now where you're like, well, I wouldn't really start anything new. Um, in that project, you need to move on and find find something else. Yeah. Um, you know, but certainly what I wouldn't do is suddenly decide that uh, uh, some other language, for example, I don't think I, I don't see many examples of where I think switching language would get you. But do you think that that's bit. because you, you you know your primary language is Java, or you know that's the core, I should say. Because if you were like a COBOL developer, which is all funny, but I've been there. In fact, it was worse, right? It was DIBOL. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if that was your language, do you think you'd feel differently? But you, but you're because, not, but it's, but that's not about the language. That's about well, in DIBOL now, I've got a language which doesn't have much of a community, doesn't have, for example, but I think that's what I'm saying. The libraries so, and the build tools that I could get if I were using something like. Like, but I uh, think that's what I'm saying. So, you, so you, you're accident, not accidentally, but you're you're conveniently safe in your choice because yeah. because you have all of that and you know that unconsciously you know that. So it's quite easy to say, no, we're going to make this work. But if you were in a situation where you had ten years of experience in COBOL, DIBOL, do you think you'd feel the same, or would you be like desperate to change because you? Well, you know, I'd probably have to think a lot harder about it. So then it must it still comes back to that experience thing, doesn't it? That experience tells you, maybe unconsciously, again, that you're doing all right and you've made the right decision because you've still got a bustling community and there's still, you know, the support and all of that kind of stuff there. So the concept of changing to something bonkers like something else, yeah. you know, is probably a bit further away than it might be for another developer who's desperately wading through, you know, die ball. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, okay, I, I, I see what you mean. So you kind of, that, that familiarity still buys you 
But it's, but I think it's still just all experience. I think I think that's what you're describing. And somebody who was inexperienced may read a couple of blog posts and say, "Well, I've got to try this because you know, influential blogger here says that Ionic is the next big thing." Yeah. Oh no, what's the one I heard the other day? Web components. You know, what happened to that? Okay. Yeah. You know, and that's the next big way to build uh, web applications. Yeah. We must go do that. Whereas an experienced person would say, "Oh, that's an interesting. That's interesting. I might go and play with that at the weekend." Yeah. You know, and then yeah, later yeah, on yeah, yeah. determine whether it was suitable for them yeah. or not. You know. Is there, here's a question, is there ever a benefit to using something bleeding edge? Do you, do you think you should try and get onto the rising wave of a technology or wait and see what happens? Uh, for me, I'd like, to, I'd like to be on the bleeding edge, but I think you need to have a project where that risk can be, um, you know, born, is yeah. that the right word? You know, you can carry it, basically. So, yeah, I want to say, I want to be all cool and like, yeah, let's try it and see what happens. Yeah. You know, but I can imagine there's probably quite a few organizations or projects where you just you just can't do that. You have to wait. Yeah, and I dare say, I, I think uh, developers have to be aware of the the ongoing impacts of their technology choices. Like, it's easy to go, do you know what, if we were to just use flubber.js... <laughs> I've just invented that one. Uh, I think that one probably exists. Then, um, <laughs> that sounds like something a millennial would say. <laughs> uh, then, you know, we, 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 we're going to be able to knock this app up in, in, in three weeks. And then, uh, you know, in, in five years, your, your organisation is left with a Flubber.js app, potentially, and, and the Flubber.js authors <laughs> have, gone. have gone and moved yeah. on to Flipper.js. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there was a there was a community disagreement, so it got forked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, well then you know, but then you're into you're into having to rewrite it. So I think you have to think about what's the long term cost. Oh, definitely the, the total yeah. cost of of ownership. Yeah, uh, when you when you make these choices, and it's hard to believe though, isn't it? When you know that question, when do you use a bleeding edge project? It's hard to believe that many people do commercially. Yeah, because of the, because the risk yeah. is so high. I can I understand it for hobby um, yeah. purposes Correct. and yeah. and whatever. But you know, but someone's got to take it on. Well, well I suppose they all come out. They all come out of big organisations, don't they? Like React and Facebook and yes, um, Twitter uh, and something else. Can't remember, but because there's also the argument that well, until someone starts using it in anger, it's never going to improve or be yeah, right. battle yeah, hardened yeah. Or, yeah. or tested. But going back to your point. Maybe that's because these are built and used in organisations that can uh, accept that risk, or um, you know, that's that's one project out of out of hundreds which yeah. may you know kind of go down the tubes or whatever. Versus, you know, you as a developer in your ten, fifteen, twenty man company, mm. you know, and you're then betting the entire show on on a particular mm. technology. In fact, most of the most of the ones I could name came from that kind of world, didn't they? Because Rails came out of Basecamp, yep, and they built that internally for their own purposes, yeah. and then they they released it. Um, Facebook and React was obviously a big thing because they wanted to build a their their app using it, I think. Yeah, and then they went back to native, yep. and then Ang back again. Angular came out of Google. Yeah, Angular came out of Google, probably for similar. Although Google seems to get involved in everything. 
Because they're like the big PWA people as well, aren't they? Um, PWA? Progressive Web Apps. Okay. So they, but that's because they've got the browser. So I suppose that all strategically makes interest. sense. Yeah. So where did Play come from? Was that, because that, when we introduced that, mm. it was just a, it was just a Rails clone in my head. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and Play came out of um, some French guys who basically wanted to build Rails in, in Java. Right. So it, it came out of a company, but it, it was, um, it was it like straight to market though? It wasn't an internal project. Uh, do you know what? I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. Because that always baffles me. Like some of these things come out and they're pretty feature rich and pretty well thought out. And I think, when did you get the time to do that? Like well, if it's not yeah. like a, if it's not commercially sponsored for some reason yeah. or an academic project, yeah. like where do they come from? I mean, fair play to them, you know, like the people that, that find the time and yeah, the energy yeah. to do these things. Because I think they've really pushed the industry forward sometimes. Yeah. But it does amaze me. I think I can barely yeah, get out of bed you're, sometimes. You're you're right, <laughs> and and you kind of think if you were um, if you were managing that dev team, and they said we will deliver this project, but we're just writing our own web framework <laughs> first, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. we kind of don't like the ones that are already already there. Um, then I'd probably do my nut a little bit. Because I mean, there's an interesting question: Is could so the the people that wrote play? So for, for any listeners that aren't familiar, so like you say, play, play was essentially doing in Java, you know, uh, to an extent that you could what Rails did, and working in the same way and convention over configuration, all those kind of things, and threw away the the uh, the sort of de facto standard of Java servlets and yeah. and those kind of things. Um, so thinking back. Why did we decide to use? Well, we decided to use that because we already w we were using Rails. Using Rails, yeah. Um, but that meant that you had to hire Ruby developers yeah. or, or people that were willing to learn Ruby. Yeah. Whereas it was, was easier. If I could still hire Java developers, but get some of the benefits of uh, of Rails as well. So the question is, could could we have built the same stuff using? servlets or spring or you know whatever you know other java stands there were i mean that's a great thought isn't it because i think you said earlier that you know you could get stuff done in if you're experiencing a framework or something you could get something done and it would be good enough yeah but have you ever seen a really nice java servlet application <laughs> <laughs> or a jsp page no. that looks beautiful well, <laughs> Maybe not. No. Maybe, maybe not. But I think I, I suppose one one of the other factors to consider though is is before that time we didn't have a uh, a well used uh, Java web framework within the company. I'm right. saying so. Yeah. So prior to that, actually the 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 application that had been built prior to building stuff in Rails had been built using plain Java servlets. Right. You know, before Spring really took off and all that, so you can sort of judge how, how old some of that stuff is. So at that point, it was probably a bit easier. If we'd already had an existing, well, we, we already use Spring, for example, I dare say we probably would have kept on down that path. Um, but as it was, we didn't have something, so we kind of went, this looks yeah. quite nice and easy to work with and fits in with, with Rails. Um, but I still, you know, I, I would argue that it kind of fits that philosophy of, you know, for me, the biggest benefit is something that you you know or concepts yeah. you are familiar with. And as it happens, 
play offered very much the same concepts as, as Rails. So as someone working in Rails, you could quite easily take play and work with it and uh, you didn't have to learn an awful lot. I mean, the thing that keeps popping into my head is this idea that the, the, the time to change probably comes from some compelling event. You know, like, yeah. like the vendor goes under if it's a proprietary framework yeah. or um, you suddenly find that you can't hire people yeah. or, you know, some other thing. Yeah. You know, and I think until that point, and maybe maybe that's what we're we're um, we're missing is that there's technology for the sake changes for the sake of it, yes. which does appear to happen. Oh, I've yeah. read about this great new thing. Let's give this a try. Yeah, and then there's like a reasoned right. Is this right for us in the long term? Yeah, and I imagine that in the latter case, it, you know, it's probably quite regular that if you if you're asking the question, it's probably time to change. <laughs> You know, yeah. If you, you know, what would it what would it take though for you to say rewrite your whole stack? What would it take? Well, that's it. I mean, that's a great versus. Do you know what we've used technology X until now, but going forwards we'll use technology Y. Having to make that decision of we've used technology X until now, and now we're going to have to rewrite it in technology Y. Well, again, I mean, maybe it's another hippie, um, unreasonable statement, but most, most people would say that you you should be able to refactor yourself or iterate yourself from one to the other so it doesn't result in some big we can't deliver for six months stroke four years because yeah. we've got to rewrite it yeah so but i think that's incredibly fucking difficult i mean i think it's very difficult I, I just, just the e-tag then keep <laughs> you already started at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes that frustrates me because you because it is it's really easy to say just rewrite it and it's also really easy to say, no, don't do that. You know, if you're clever enough, you'll be able to think of, you know, the the four steps you can take to get yeah, there, yeah, you know, yeah. while continuing to meet all your other commitments. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you're right. I think doing that whilst changing technology is very difficult because you kind of have to you know, end up splitting your application down the middle, carving out chunks of it. Yeah, and there's yeah. great I mean, articles well, people, on the people, right way to do it, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, pe people have used that as a way, you know, migration to a microservice architecture, for example. Yeah. As one way <laughs> to then slowly rewrite components in a in a separate language. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just chuckling because I can't, I mean, I can't remember the tweet, but I remember, I remember laughing about it, about how, you know, like everything is now a microservice. Yeah. And, and recently people are now going back to more monolithic ways of thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it just went too far and suddenly, you know, some kind of like, you know, you just want to uppercase something and that's suddenly a microservice that you have to, yeah. like, you know, uh, integrate with. And I think there's, you know, there's another point and maybe one of the uh, takeaways is what goes around comes around. And what is the bleeding edge today will be the, the trailing edge <laughs> yeah, very exactly. shortly. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so I, I'd, I'd probably err towards the longer term than the than the shorter term. So, what are some things which have stood the test of time? Can we think of something that's like continues to this yeah. day? Bash <laughs> scripting. <laughs> <laughs> I find assembly works quite well. Um, well, you know, if I think about web applications, yeah, uh, 
Rails, I accept Rails is probably you know not as popular as it once was, but I think it's still it's still well in use. Still there, yeah. Um, I think in Java, Spring is still a massive player and has right. been for for many years. Yeah. Um, uh, let me see what else. Um, I, do you know what? I'm proper old school. I'd say even jQuery, right? I have to write jQuery. That's a good example where something got a lot of backlash suddenly, didn't it? Yeah. Because everybody was like, yeah, jQuery, it's going to revolutionize web development. And then all of a sudden, actually it wasn't all of a sudden, but then at some point everyone's like, God, who's using jQuery? What yeah. Although I appreciate, actually, I mean, it, it's a bit low level, isn't it? It's it, it's it, it's kind of like Java servlets in the sense that servlets gave you this bare capability of of uh, of writing web application endpoints, and jQuery gives you a bare capability of manipulating uh, the DOM. Uh, the DOM, yeah. um, but but doesn't give you all the you know the stuff that lets you put yeah, it all yeah. together into single page application. So what about things which which came in all exciting and then just disappeared like, without trace? Um, oh, that's a good question. What was that one with the mustache? That was a uh, mustache. <laughs> oh, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that was big Tem- around the Angular templating. Time. Yeah. Well, I get yeah. Anything JavaScript related <laughs> is the answer to that question. Essentially, <laughs> I expect by the time we finish this podcast, React will be um, will be out. But it's frustrating, isn't it? Because because I, I, I think you don't need to do this to yourself. Like I just, and again, I, I, um, I feel like there's this urge, uh, and this isn't. I, I'm not even just talking about software development. I think I'm talking about the the world in general. There is this urge to invent and renew. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of think, like, do you need that? Is that like could could we just stick with what we've got? <laughs> For a few years, you know, we after we invented fire, nothing much <laughs> happened for stopped. ten thousand yeah. years. So, you know, I kind of feel like we can live with the same JavaScript framework for uh, for two. Or three if we were, but maybe. But I mean, is, is this just? Um, sorry, I, I interrupted. But is this is this just indicative of where we are technology wise? And, and actually, the the web is still a relative baby. It's not. It's still a relatively immature technology. It's still changing. Standards are still changing and being updated, and therefore things have to move with it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. The thing For that God's sake, we don't need another JavaScript. <laughs> on that on that thread, though, the thing that really frustrates me is, um, you know, if, if I come at it from a different angle, that some of the reasons to do things are because it doesn't quite do what you want it to do yeah. right now. And sometimes I think that we're very reluctant as an industry to change what we want to get done in order. So it's almost like the the solution is fixed. Like you can never change the solution. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I'm, I'm mainly thinking about visual things. I remember when responsive web design sort of really kicked off. Um, and prior to that, it was very much like we must make it look the same, identical yeah. in every single Yeah. browser down to the pixel level and i remember when i first that was when i was first started developing and i came into that and i was like but what does it matter yeah you know and it was really like you know it was hearsay at the time what does it matter if it looks a bit different as long as it still looks right yeah you know and then of course responsive came along and then all bets were off because it depended on the browser and the size of the window and all that kind of stuff and suddenly it was acceptable yeah 
you know, and I think that sometimes we need to remember that. Yeah. And when the, when we go and say, oh, well, it doesn't quite do this thing that I want it to do, I therefore must change the whole lot to something else or re rewrite it, you know, maybe we should think, well, actually, can we adjust our solution a bit yeah. so that it still yeah. continues? And, I, and I, don't, I don't know if I see enough of that. You know, it's almost like, oh, no, you can't, you can't possibly challenge the, the incoming request. Yeah. You must yeah. satisfy that entirely. You can't go yeah. back to them and say, actually, that's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. Can we just change this a little bit? And yeah. then, you know, that seems to be not the done thing. No, I agree. And, and maybe that, that needs to be some, some thought when you make those choices. I, you know, and I think if I was to give some advice, it'd be whatever new technology you see and think would be great, you, I bet if you asked enough people that have been around a while, they would have seen something like it before. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in a different name, right? You know, microservices, once upon a time, it was it was service-oriented architectures, right? And they came along and, and sure, maybe this, the standards weren't quite right, you know, at the time. And, and, you know, a lot of SOA stuff was wrapped up in, you know, XML standards and that kind of stuff and, and all that. But, um, yeah, what happened but, to XML? Jason came along and everyone Jason went. Jason came along. Yeah, yeah, divorced you, XML. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then YAML came along as the dirty little secret on the yeah. side. <laughs> yes, but are we... Um... I think we're old. Because where's the innovation I, I, in I, all this? Where's the, you know, if we, if we ask 10 developers, experienced developers, yeah. and they're sucking their teeth. Oh, not sure about that. And then someone's going to come in underneath and go, well, screw you, I'm going to do it anyway. And maybe one in 10 of them, you know, really does change things. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> You're not convinced. Maybe. I'm just, trying, I'm just trying to think, well, what, what, have, been the, what have been the world changes technology-wise? Has, has, for instance, NoSQL been a, a game changer? That's a good, ex- a good example. No. He says hesitantly. Not being in that world, I'd say. Well, I'd I'd probably I'd probably say it depends. <laughs> and this, the, uh, well, yeah, and it really does depend. And I think that's the that's the point is there will be some people for whom that probably was an absolute game changer. What are the chances that it's a game changer for you? Yeah, specifically. Uh, I mean, that's the other thing, isn't it? Like people try to make it fit because I remember Mongo being a part of the of a previous architecture yeah and looking back i'm not sure if it needed that oh no it didn't need that you know uh, but at the time absolutely convinced not i wasn't but as a organization we were absolutely convinced that it was well but you know it was perfect well hang on because this is is interesting and and just to to add some color to that so we made a decision at some point in time to replace a sql database with a no sql database with, with, with mongo um uh and it had its ups and downs but i kind of almost it almost kind of proves the point which is um it was difficult because it stood out uh as the the one place where we use mongo in amongst all of the other stuff that we did so yeah. we never really had anyone that was the the expert, uh, the expert. Um, and therefore it was always difficult to deal with and whenever there was a problem with it 
people would be frantically googling to figure out how to manage how to manage a mongo instance if however we'd gone all in and said mongo is now the one for us we're going to build all of our apps with mongo um you know you would have you would have built up that experience yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you would have become mongo experts and then probably it would have proved a, a, a massively you know successful um so and that is true a, actually i do i do remember the that it all got set up correctly and we were throwing all this data into Mongo and then we wanted to get it out and use it and everyone sort of looked at each other like, what? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> oh, and, and, you know, and, by, and, and by that time, we'd moved on to other projects and, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. and actually, if we'd kind of stuck with it, you might have gone on, but actually, th- th- there wasn't anything fundamentally flawed about the technology decision except for all the other decisions that were made around it, right? That was actually <laughs> yeah. the difficult yeah, yeah. bit. So you kind of have to... to go right you're either going to use it and you're going to learn it and you're really going to use it and understand it um or you're going to not use it and you're going to stick with with what you've got yeah. would we have been any worse off if we've stuck with a sql database probably not really hindsight is a wonderful thing right because actually when we made that technology decision there were a whole raft of ideas as to what we could do with it and how we could use it yeah. um, and why it would be beneficial to us very few of which came to pass. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that you've, got to, you, you've got to bear those in mind. Realistically, are you going to see the benefits that you're... And, you know, the, the bloggers may say, well, you'll get this benefit and this benefit and this benefit and that benefit. And you've got to think, do those really... Realistically, are those going to apply to, to yeah. me? Am I going to see that? And do I have the time and resources to devote to this technology and becoming expert in it? Be an expert. That is my advice. If you're going to do something, do it well. Because but, if you but don't, don't pick COBOL. But don't pick COBOL. <laughs> yeah, you can be an expert in COBOL. <laughs> Have you ever seen COBOL on COGS? No, but I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Google COBOL on COGS. Oh, I saw. Is, uh, I saw. Um, did you see my tweet about Rockstar development? I did. I did. I thought that was brilliant. We'll put we'll put the link into the into the show notes. But um, just side note about uh, random side projects that people do that amaze me how they've got the time to do it. Although someone will probably tell me how simple it was in the end. But someone had designed this uh, the Rockstar programming language, which used um, natural language style rock uh, song lyrics to do things like assigning variables and iterating over things. Um, I can't remember any examples now. It all escapes me, but it's absolutely wasn't it brilliant. Wasn't it like to- Tommy used to work on the docs? It was like a, a sign the value five to the variable yeah. Tommy or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Inspired, inspired. Yeah. Again, where do people have time to do this? <laughs> yeah, and that was really, really detailed. Yeah. Well, even like that language, like, uh, uh, was it oh, head, head F? Head F? Oh, I've already sworn, so head fuck or something. Brain fuck. Rainfuck, that's it. Yeah. I mean, nobody's really using that in production. No, so why does no, it exist? No, 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 I mean, no. it's brilliant that it does. But, you know, like, I want to be one of them. That's what I want my life, uh, my life's work to be. I think our time, uh, our time has gone, Greg. <laughs> our time has gone. We I have, want at we least have, three stars on, on my, my GitHub we, project. We for uh, families and dogs and houses. <laughs> I don't get the impression these things are written by people with families and dogs and houses. <laughs> Right, Mark, I'm going to be honest, I'm a bit lost.
Where you are we? And on... the rest of our listenership. <laughs> Where are we on the subject? So, technology decisions. What is our summary of the state of that? What is your summary? My summary is uh, if you are tasked with making a technology decision or if you are thinking about making a technology decision, uh, you need to bear in mind, you think about experience. You think about, do I have the experience with the technology that I'm, I want to use? Uh, do I have a, a, a good view on, on what has gone before? I think seek out someone who has experience. Yeah, and cool. like I said, I think you will, you will often find that uh, whatever it is, whatever new paradigm that has come around, which is going to uh, propel you to greatness, has probably been done before in some shape or form and didn't necessarily propel everyone to greatness. You can prepare, propel yourself to greatness <laughs> by, being, by being an expert. When you make that decision, um, I think you have to say, you have to think about how much time and resource do I need to devote to becoming an expert? Not, well, not, just, not just me, but you and your, and your team. Um, because everybody's going to have to to learn this and pick it up. And if the blog post tells you that you can pick it up in two days, they're lying. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's the old snake oil problem, right? Everyone is going to tell you that their framework is the best, that it uh, that it has features that the other frameworks just can't deal with and, and can't do. Um, uh, but the, uh, they're trying to sell something to you, right? And you're a buyer, and so you have to evaluate that, and you have to think about. Uh, what it is and then you have to think about the long term you have to think about the the total cost of ownership what does this mean going forwards uh, certainly if there's uh, if there's a possibility that you are going to use this technology once and never use it again you're probably making a bad decision um, if you are introducing a technology because you think it's a good uh, long-term viable decision for your company then that's a a good thing Think about in five years, is is whoever's looking after this software going to be able to hire someone to look after this in five years' time? I feel like there's an analogy that we've missed with musicians, which is something <laughs> along the lines of, you know, pick an instrument that um, has reasonable support, become an expert in it, then start trying other instruments and evaluating whether they're good for you rather than learning the xylophone from the outset and then realising nobody wants to listen to that. <laughs> I'll take it back to the shop. <laughs> All right, good discussion, Mark. So um, I'd be interested in what our listeners think and what um, experiences they've had in this sort of topic. So don't forget, everyone, you can contact us on Twitter, at BitPicking, um, and yeah. Let us know. I would like to know what is your worst technology decision that you've made and why was it a bad decision? Homework. Homework for you listeners. Brilliant. All right. Well, um, until next time. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Greg. See you soon. Bye.